0: So I asked my Mexican friends, why are they calling us amigos? And my friends say, well, because in this country, everybody that looks Latino or speaks Spanish is referred to as an amigo. And all of this means that I can't get done what I need to get done. And on this day, I have a
1: lot to get done because it's December 23rd, past the Amazon Prime, save your ass by a Christmas present date, which means I need to go to the mall, the goddamn mall,
2: Hey there, and welcome to Grit, True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the contemporary personal narrative kind of story and the people that craft and tell them. Why, you ask? Well, we want to feature these tellers and their stories and also to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories. True stories, personal stories, Grit stories. New episodes are released every Friday And we are in the middle of season number three, which is all about the grit talks and the best of. And today we've got two stories from our seven by seven storytelling series. Both of our tellers today joined us in the summer of 2020 and they are moth legends. They're not only storytellers, they're also teachers and producers among other things. Nestor Gomez and Matthew Dix have won more moths than anybody else in the world. I don't know the exact numbers, But they are numbers one and two by far. What does that mean? Well, it means they know what they're doing. They know how to craft stories. They know how to tell stories. And they know how to put a lot of them together in a fairly short period of time. Very impressive. So your first story today will be from Nestor and the second one from Matthew. Check the show notes for information on our upcoming events and workshops. And if you're listening on Apple, I know I say this a lot, help us out. Rate and review this podcast. It helps people find it. And I'd love for more people to find it. All right, without further ado, Nestor and Matthew, let's dive in.
0: It was a few days after I had just arrived to Chicago from Guatemala. I only knew a couple of kids from the building where I live, Mexican kids that were showing me around the neighborhood. We decided to go to the park, but on our way to the park, we stopped By a corner store, and the kids and I went inside the corner store. We went to grab some sodas, some Doritos, some things to eat. When we went to the counter to pay for the stuff that we were buying, I noticed that the guy behind the counter did not appear to be a Latino guy. He did he didn't appear to be white or black. He appeared to be a person from the Middle East. But what really caught my attention was that this person was referring to me and my Mexican friends as amigos. Bye amigos. Thank you amigos. When we walk out of the store, I was surprised that this guy had called us amigos. So I asked my friends, do you know this guy for a long time? You've been coming to this store for a long time. And he's like, my friend, no, 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 not at all. This is a new store. We just started to go there. We were crossing the street, and as kids usually do, I was 15 years old at the time. Me and my friend did not pay attention, and there was a car that was coming by, and we crossed the street without paying too much attention. The car slowed down a little bit, and I could hear the guy saying, be careful, amigos. Again, amigos. So I asked my Mexican friends, why are they calling us amigos? And my friend say, well, because in this country, everybody that looks Latino or speaks Spanish is referred to as an amigo. Now, I'm from Guatemala and we call each other boss. People from Spain call each other tio. People from Mexico call each other way. We never refer to one another as amigos. So I was surprised that this is the word that they were using to refer to us. I was still pondering this new information on my head when we came to the park. And I noticed that there were some African American kids playing at the park. Now I have been living in Guatemala my whole life and I had seen some dark skinned people, but I have not seen any darker skinned people, African American people. So I turned around to my Mexican friend and I say, "Some Negros, one of the African American kids heard me, came over to where me and my friends were standing. I didn't know what he was saying, but I could see by his expression that he was upset. I was ready and he was ready to fight me. So I prepared myself to fight without even knowing why he was so upset. My Mexican friend got in the middle of us and started to ask me what's going on, what's going on? I didn't know what was going on, so I couldn't explain to him. He asked the black kid what was going on and the black kid said, well, he called me the N-word. My Mexican friend turned around and said, what do you call him? So I repeated what I had said. Now, let me explain you this. In Spanish, the word black is translated to negro. It doesn't have any racist, racist connotations behind it. And I had just come to this country, so I was using the word in Spanish to describe a black person. In Guatemala, I had been taught about the history of the United States, but it was a white, white version of history. We were not really explained carefully in detailed explanation about all the abuse that the African-American community had lived through. My Mexican friend explained to the kid that I had just arrived from Guatemala, and then he explained to me that the word that I had used was very similar to another word that is used in a bad way to describe African-Americans. In Guatemala, many centuries ago, in Guatemala and all over Latin America, the Spanish Conquistadores came to the land. They conquered the land and enslaved the native population. They refer to the natives as Indios. Even now in Guatemala, when you want to call somebody stupid, hard-headed, uneducated, you call the person an Indio, which is the word that the Spanish Conquistadores gave the native people at the lands. When I was a kid, I used this word among my friends without truly understanding its racist connotations. Until one day, my grandmother who used to live in Chicago went back to Guatemala because she was getting old and she was ready to retire. When my grandmother arrived to Guatemala, my parents decided that they were going to come to Chicago and they could leave me and my siblings with our grandmother. My grandmother was used to the life here in Chicago. And after a couple of months, she could not longer be happy in Guatemala. She couldn't stand the muddy streets. She couldn't stand the poverty. She couldn't stand the lack of everything. I was only a kid, but I couldn't understand why my grandmother was so upset if for the first time in many years, she was finally among family. So I asked my grandmother, why are you so upset if you finally among family?" My grandmother turned around and said, When I was in Chicago, I used to take care of these two beautiful, blonde, blue-eyed, light-skinned kids, and now I'm here stuck with a bunch of Indians. That day, my grandmother used the word Indians to refer to me, and I understood, I finally understood how hurtful and how painful words can be. And I promised myself never to refer to any individual in that way ever in my life. But now here in Chicago, I had just called the African American kid a word that was very similar to a word that meant a lot to him. A word that was demeaning, a word that brought back all the injustice and all the pain and suffering that his community had lived through. At that moment, I understood my mistake and I pushed my Mexican friend aside. I approached the African-American kid and extending my hand, I repeated the only word that I had been able to learn. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The African-American kid looked at me and he said, me, no negro, me, Black, okay, amigo? Me, no amigo, I say. Me, friend. We shook hands, and at that moment, as we shook hands, in spite of the fact that we were born in different countries, in spite of the fact that we couldn't speak the same language, we had similar experiences. And at that moment, we understood one another. Thank
2: you, Nestor, the boss Gomez. Nestor lives up in Chicago. Appreciate that story, sir. Next up, Mr. Matthew Dix. Matthew lives out in Hartford, Connecticut. Enjoy.
1: Uh, It's December 23rd. It's two days before Christmas. I'm sitting behind the wheel and I'm trapped in mall traffic. It's the worst and it's my wife's fault because she has abandoned me. She's abandoned me two days before Christmas, and I'm in this car with the two most annoying and despicable people I have ever met in my life. They are my children. Clara is six and Charlie is three, and if you ever meet someone and they tell you that they're beautiful beams of light, they are liars. These are rotten human beings because they are just like my wife. All three of them are like anchors attached to my ankle trying to drag me down, slow me down, and keep me from getting the things that I need to get done. These are people who when they get into the car, they take their shoes off as if this is some mobile living room because they want to be comfortable. And it sounds fine. But the problem is when you arrive at the place you're supposed to be going and you get out of your car, you're 30 yards ahead of everyone before you realize they haven't even gotten out of the car yet because they're still putting on their damn shoes. These are people who can't leave the house without food of any kind. They think they're like the Donner Party. We're on an 11-mile journey to a farmer's market, and we need to pack supplies in order to go there. It's insane. And they talk to everyone. They talk to strangers. They talk to random people on the street, my daughter especially. She is dangerously friendly. And if a mother has a baby, it is a full stop. It is the baby's name. It is when was the baby born. It's, was it natural or cesarean? The questions she asks are horrendous. And all of this means that I can't get done what I need to get done. And on this day, I have a lot to get done because it's December 23rd. It is that past the Amazon Prime save your ass by a Christmas present date, which means I need to go to the mall, the goddamn mall. I have to look at things assembled on a wall, like in some museum, like the like the regular human beings, and like pick things off the walls that people might want me to wrap and give to them. It's crazy, and now I have to do this. But I've got these kids with me. My wife has abandoned me because she's gone to get a haircut. A haircut two days before Christmas. My wife has short black hair, but her haircuts take three hours every single time. There's no dying. I can barely tell she's gotten a cut but it takes three hours. And I know why, because I used to get my hair cut at the exact same place. You walk into the salon, the first thing they do is they say, would you like some wine? And I say, no, first it's 11 o'clock in the morning, and this isn't a bar. I'm here to get my hair cut. I don't want your wine. So then they offer you water. And I say, sure, I'll have some water. And they take this crystal decanter that has cucumber slices floating in the water. I see this, and I think, These cucumber slices mean that somewhere in this hair salon, probably in the basement, there's a refrigerator. And in that refrigerator, there are cucumbers, which means at some point in the morning, someone has to slice these cucumbers, which are 99% water already, so they can be added to this decanter of water, so the water can slightly taste of cucumber. Like, this is a place that does not understand efficiency. I cannot abide by it, but it is where my wife is. And now I am stuck with these children going to the mall, except now we're not going to the mall because I didn't pack food for this four mile trek into the world. So now we need to stop because they're hungry because they're always hungry. So I pull into Panera, hoping that this can be a quick trip. I get out of the car, I wait five minutes for everyone to put on their damn shoes. When everyone's shoes are on, we walk into Panera. As soon as I enter the door, I know that Panera is not designed for children. It was not designed by anyone who understands children. The tiles on the floor are all red, except for an occasional tan tile, which means my children leap from tan tile to tan tile to tan tile, threatening the lives of everyone who is waiting to get food. And so I look at my kids who are hopping around and I say, go, go find us a table. And so they go, finally, I'm rid of them for a moment and they're gone and I'm waiting in line. When I get called up to place my order, I know I'm in trouble right away. It's one of those cashiers that have deer in the headlights because they're new. They're like terrified about every single thing they do and I know they're gonna make my life hell. It's a young woman and I place my order and things are going okay. And when I get to my daughter's order, Clara, I say, my daughter has a peanut allergy, so could you please mark the slip? And the woman looks at my order and then she looks up at me and she says, well, nothing on your order has peanuts, so you're gonna be fine. And I take a deep breath. If I had a hatchet, it might be in her head now, but I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt. And I say, I understand what you're saying, but there just might be peanuts back there. Could you just mark the slip? Thank you. And she looks back at the order and she looks back up and she says, no, you don't understand. There's no peanuts anywhere in your order at all. What I wanna tell this woman is listen, stupid person. There's the product in this world that for some reason we have decided to put in everything And this product can kill my daughter two days before Christmas, which would really suck for a lot of reasons. So just put the note on the slip. But I don't do that. Instead, I walk right past her. I go through that little slot that separates me from the kitchen. I go past her into the area right behind her. And I yell to the guys in the kitchen. And I say, excuse me, there's a grilled cheese coming back. But before I can get another word out, the manager is in front of me. She looks at me and she says, sir, and I say, no, I say, this woman right here won't put this thing on the slip and my daughter's going to die and my wife will blame me and I'm not going to allow that to happen because she has a peanut allergy. And to this manager's everlasting credit, she says, I'm sorry, I'm going to take care of it, but you need to get out of my kitchen. And she's right. I need to get out of her kitchen. I am a crazy person. And so I step back out of her kitchen and she helps me with my order and she makes sure everything is fine. And then I turn and I go to the lobby to find my children in the seat they have chosen. And when I enter sort of the dining room area, I scan the room and then I see my kids in the far corner and I can't believe what I see. Clara is at the booth and Charlie is at the booth. And in between them, there is a mother holding a small baby. They have chosen to sit with a complete stranger. And now I must extricate my children from this ridiculous situation that they have created. And as I walk across the dining room trying to think about what I'm going to say, it's as if Clara knows what I am planning. Cause when I get close, she says, she said, it's okay, we can have lunch with her. Her baby's name is Hannah, isn't she cute? So I look at the woman and she gives me that smile of resignation. Like, it's all right, we'll get through this together. And so this quick meal is not gonna be quick now, which means I'm not gonna get to the mall quickly and everything else is gonna be ruined. So I sit down and I chit chat with this mother for a moment. I introduce myself, I meet Hannah, the baby. And then at one point, Clara says to the woman, she says, where's Hannah's daddy? And the woman pauses for a second as if she's considering what she's gonna say. And then she tells Clara, Hannah doesn't have a daddy. And Clara without missing a beat says, oh, are you a mommy mommy family? And the woman says, no, it's just me and Hannah. And for the first time, I see this woman. I really see her. I see the slump of her tired shoulders and the lines under her eyes. And I look to the left and I see the carriage, stuff that I haven't seen for a long time because my kids are a little older. All that plastic paraphernalia that you have to carry into the world now to keep a child alive the bottles and the diaper bags and the toys and the breast pumps, all of this stuff that you have to throw on your back like a Sherpa every time you want to leave the house. And I look at this woman and I am so angry at Clara for showing me this thing that I need to see. Two days before Christmas, my daughter and my son sat with a stranger and that stranger treated my kids better than I have treated them all day. She was actually present and kind, and she listened to my children in a way I had not since the moment we left the house. And I'm so angry at Clara for shoving this lesson down my throat on this day. And so I take a deep breath and I try like hell to put the mall out of my mind and my wife out of my mind, the wife who I complained about because I had to suffer for three hours without her while sitting across from a single mom and a baby who seems a hell of a lot happier than me and a hell of a lot more capable than me and a hell of a lot more patient than me. And so I try to have a meal with my kids and be present in the moment as best as I can. And ever since that day, I have not improved greatly. I've improved slightly, but in those moments of real, Annoyance and those moments where I feel like everyone is trying to pull me down and hold me back. I think about Hannah's mom and how she treated my kids that day. She is the role model that I now have for perhaps treating my children and my wife a little better.
2: As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to Nestor Gomez and Matthew Dix. Thank you, gentlemen. Check the show notes for upcoming stuff like events or workshops. And if you listen on Apple right now, help us out. Rate and review this podcast. It helps people find it. We really appreciate it. Thank you. That is all for episode number 64.
0: Boom.